1: So earn more, whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
0: Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? How you doing?
1: doing pretty well Liss. Uh, warriors are up 2-0 uh was at game one sunday afternoon kind of unexpected 2-0 for me even as a warriors fan i thought the rockets were definitely going to grab one of these first two games i know you're very into it as you are the rest of the nba especially you're probably not tired at all of golden state um other than that uh got hot here over the weekend uh, kids are out in the pool when we moved in this place uh it was right when summer was ending, so we haven't had to have actually been able to use the pool, so that was nice and uh, getting some material for that. Um, nothing, nothing too exciting going on otherwise. Uh, what about yourself, ma'am?
0: Uh, not much. We went to Comporta. Well, it was actually Troya, which is near Comporta. It's like the not as nice part, but stayed in this little house we rented with a, a family. It's uh, Sasha's friend's parents, and I realized I got to do this like once a month. Like it's it's right. You walk to the beach like a quarter mile from the house, it's got its own little pool. We cooked most of the weekend, we just drank. We didn't really do much, you know, we only went out to lunch one day at this like fancy beach part in Comporta. It just takes me back to like my, uh, when I was a kid, and I went to these pristine beaches you know, in the, in the late 70s, and early 80s in the Hamptons at my friends' houses, and it was like, oh yeah, this is the greatest place on earth. Last time I was in the Hamptons was like 2001 maybe, And it was just so overrun. If you drove into town to get some groceries, first of all, that cost like a million dollars. You couldn't even, you were like in a parking lot. You couldn't move from the traffic. It just got totally overrun. It was like three and a half hours to get out there and back. Turned into a nightmare. But when I was a kid, going out there to people's houses was like the greatest thing ever. And this little uh, weekend vacation reminded me of that because it was like just the air when you're driving down these nice little country roads. You know, it hasn't been totally overrun yet. It's got like all the nice stuff and shops and. You can get like fresh seafood and all this stuff, but you're sort of in this isolated. Well, maybe the the high season will be bad in like July, August, but certainly in late April, early May, it's pretty nice.
1: Nice segue you did there with the Warriors and the Hamptons. Hamptons Five, which I'm sure you did in, intentionally there. But that that sounds uh sounds cool, man. It uh, sounds like a nice. It's not that far away, you said too, so you'll go back. It's an
0: hour, actually, you can drive 45 minutes to this place called Setubal, which is a, a little city outside of Lisbon. And you drive your car onto the ferry, and it's a half-hour ferry ride. And literally, the the hotel's right across, like right where the ferry gets off. You could walk even, so it's chill to just take you know your car on a ferry. It's still like here attainable to live like that, to have your like summer house there and your city house. We just rented it for the couple of days. It wasn't even that nice of a house actually, even though there's this little pool and little back deck, but it was nice enough.
1: Cool. I want to talk to you about the uh, NFL draft. Of course, it's easily my, my favorite draft I can remember. I mean, the Raiders, I thought made uh, some, some some interesting choices, even though I feel like the analysts haven't hammered him too much. But, uh, man, I'll actually talk more Raiders in a second, but first Gettleman said to hold his beer, his phone, his car keys, everything. He's, he stepped it up. Come on, Daniel Jones. Um, I'm sure you talked about it on the XM show, but you got to get, get some. Some of these thoughts here on the, on this podcast list. Uh, the Giants, talk of the draft. What do you think? So,
0: so, I mean, people were mocking them for even considering Daniel Jones at six. Like, there was rumors, and they were like, no, even Gettleman's not that stupid that he's going to do that. He apparently wasn't even that good at Duke, so why would he be good in the, in the pros? And even worse, uh, the reason, apparently, why they were so interested in him was because his coach at Duke is friends with the Mannings. Like, Eli's like the sort of deputy GM or something like that. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right. but
1: um, and the best thing on that guy's resume is once coached Peyton Manning, you know, I don't think he made Manning, you know, so it's kind of funny that way too. So interesting.
0: It's just the whole thing's embarrassing, but the truth is apparently, you know, there were other guys, maybe Gettleman just got duped, but apparently Elway was interested in him. Probably Elway's in that same circle. And like, I don't know why it's like, we're talking about this on the XM show. If Mason Del Don grows up and wants to be a lawyer. And I know somebody who's, hiring at a firm and you were like, yeah, my son's there. I'd be like, hell no. He's related to you. Don't, don't hire that guy. But no, I'd be like, yeah, hire the guy. I mean, it's just, you know, it's for a law firm or something or for a, you know, it's like nepotism in service of like, you know, some bullshit job situation, like no problem, but you can't be doing that for quarterback of a football (laughs) team. You know? Oh yeah. We know him. He's a cool guy. He's a good kid. We know him. Somebody important knows him. An important person knows an important person who knows him. Sure. Give him the job. Oh, wait. The job is quarterback. It can't work like that. It's, it has to be a meritocracy. When you're talking about a quarterback, it looks really bad. But on the other hand, if Elway or some other GM, as was rumored, and I don't know if it's true, was interested in Daniel Jones, such that the Giants would not have got them with the 17th pick, the one they acquired in the Beckham trade, then and Gettleman thought this was their franchise quarterback for God knows what reason. If you really believe that, then you kind of got to take him, right? I mean if you don't think he's going to be there on the way back and he's your top quarterback remaining and you obviously need a quarterback, you can't really fault it too much.
1: I get the whole reasoning of if he's going to be gone, that's fine. No one's going to remember exactly where these players went two years from now or maybe even two days from now. And also obviously everyone should judge and grade these drafts years down the road, but I'm just going to act like I know what I'm talking about. Who, who I specifically, I do not follow any college, but, Just reading people I do trust, uh, I wrote down a couple things here. This is all my play. Uh, Jones off target, a prospect best, 9.4% of his throws, and his average depth was just 8.1 yards on those. His YPA was better than only like one quarterback. I mean, it's just really bad. And you read the quotes too from Gettleman. After the three series I watched, I saw a professional quarterback. So that's when I was in full bloom love. Really? I mean, after three series, he's a professional quarterback. It's almost like an onion piece. I mean, really, it, it just seems seems really bad from everything I read or anything. And he, obviously from a GM who deserves anything but the benefit of the doubt. After you're know, trading away Beckham, and I know as much as you love well, Markley, I I, see, I, I, I think you're falling for back. a narrative.
0: I think you're falling for the narrative. I mean, he did sign both uh, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart to massive deals <laughs> with Carolina. So I'll, I think the Carolina track record is bad. But Barkley, in my opinion, was a good pick. I mean, Barkley is a superstar. Maybe, I mean, one of the best running backs of all time already. So, I mean, what do you, you, you turn that guy down? I don't know. I don't think that's a mistake. Secondly, you know, the idea that he traded Beckham. I mean, I love Beckham, so I'm upset. But Beckham missed four games last year. He missed like, I don't know how many, 10 or 11 the year before. And he's now 26 and he was getting paid sort of the max wide receiver salary. So it's not like he was on some rookie deal where you're getting him at a discount. You're getting him for like the full price that he costs. Now, I think Beckham's good enough to be worth more than that, but you know, let's just keep in mind they were paying him full price, and they got a first and a third and a safety back. And then they let Landon Collins go, and Landon Collins is a good player, but he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years, and he got paid some ridiculous salary by the Redskins. So... I don't know that those are terrible moves. People were crapping on Gruden when he traded Khalil Mack for two first rounders. And that doesn't seem that dumb you know, on a rebuilding team. And unless you think the giants were going to compete this year, no matter what they did a quarterback, that's one more year of Beckham that they would have, you know, wasted and paying you know, top salary for that. So as much as it hurts me as a giants fan to lose Beckham, because I just love the guy. Um, I don't necessarily think that was a terrible trade. And this one, I mean, we just don't know. I mean what you said sounds true, like bad YPA, bad accuracy numbers. Apparently though his offensive line was horrific at Duke. So your accuracy is not gonna be that good if you're constantly under pressure, whereas other quarterbacks are, you know, able to step through their throws and, you know, have a have a intact pocket while they're playing. I know nothing about Daniel Jones. I have no idea if he's any good. But But I just think it doesn't really matter what I know or what these, quote, experts think because nobody knows quarterback prospects. I mean, when Pat Mahomes was drafted at, like, 12 or whenever he got drafted, people should have been like, this is the greatest pick of all time. That this guy was here at 12, this is the most amazing pick of all time. The Chiefs are set for a decade. But nobody was saying that. When Deshaun Watson went, like, 10th overall that year, they were, like, mixed reviews on that. So... I just, people just don't have any idea what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to quarterbacks. So maybe Daniel Jones sucks, and he probably does, and it's probably a horrible pick. But I'm not going to feel bad about it because of what other people are saying.
1: All fair. Uh, I'll counter by saying I, I think Jabril Peppers kind of sucks. And Sam Darnold, whom he, he did pass over, was youngest starting quarterback in NFL history and what he like led NFL and QBR in December player profilers comp for Daniel Jones is Davis Webb right now, which is like, I like the symmetry (laughs) there, but, but you're right that we don't know. I do kind of like that Haskins is in their division and, you know, Darnold's obviously in their city too. So I, I I do like that, but it's just kind of fun. I mean, I, I, I even brought up on this. I said, Daniel Jones, number six, and and you just laughed at that. That was, that was was crazy. And here we are. So of course, the
0: truth is we don't know. I, I have to say also that I, I prefer Jones to Haskins because, well, not necessarily, but unless Haskins is great and it's unlikely, then I think if Jones is a disaster, let's say Eli sucks through five weeks and they're one in four, which is plausible. And they say, okay, let's bring in Daniel Jones. Eli's clearly done. And Daniel Jones is fucking terrible. Like he's just every bit what all the critics think. And they play him like 10 or 11 games. I think there's a chance, although John Mara is such a nutless monkey but what he, what they could do is be like, all right, Gettleman sucks, Daniel Jones sucks, start again. You know, we'll get the first pick in two thousand twenty and start again, and they get rid of both of them. But if you got a guy who was like more sensible than the GM's, you know his his reputation wouldn't be so tied to it. It would be like, no, anyone would have taken Haskins there. You know, he could have hid behind sort of the consensus. I think you you're rationalizing.
1: Some... you rationalizing his floor is so low that this would yes. be a good thing yes. for you. Yeah,
0: that's right. Okay. Like what I'm saying is you want your sort of rogue GM who's probably a dunce to do something way out of pocket. You want somebody to go way off the board because if it doesn't work out, you can be rid of him. Now, the problem is John Mara. I mean, John Mara hired Gettleman. He's, he's the guy backing up Manning. I mean, paying Manning's $23 million salary this year. I mean, John Mara is the problem and he can't be fired. He's the owner. But I'm just saying like they could get lucky if Daniel Jones is really as horrible as people are saying, you know, if he's just not even really an NFL quarterback and he's the sixth pick and, he, and we can, worst case scenario is Eli plays the whole year and they go like eight and eight and we got to wait till next year to even see what the deal is with Jones. But you know, either Jones will be good and take us every, take us all by surprise or he could suck so much that they just clean house, start with the new GM and get a, you know, pull an Arizona Cardinals where, you know, you get the first pick next year and like, oh, well, look who's here at QB. We, we have to get rid of Jones. I mean, that's basically what they did with Josh Rosen.
1: Yeah, I, I do like where, where you've come around on that, though. That's, uh, it's uh, could, could be ugly, but I guess it could be a good thing if they do clean house. But no, No, but actually the worst kind of- thing that could
0: happen, the worst thing that could possibly happen, and, you know, maybe Darnold turns out to be good, maybe not, but like, is to have a Darnold-level guy If, unless he's, he might be great, and then that's great if they have him. But to have one of those guys that, like Mariota, Winston, I mean, this is year five for these teams. They haven't got another guy. Mariota is still the guy the Titans are tied to. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. You know,
0: five years later, I mean, the franchise, they made the playoffs, but like barely. The franchise is, is, you know, that's, it's a half a decade tied to this guy for no reason because they had to, because he was the second pick and he showed some sparks and they couldn't quite quit him. And you're much better off, even if you use a sixth overall pick, which is a pretty early pick, to just be like, oh, what a stupid pick, and move on the next year. You know, like, let's say Josh Rosen ends up being as bad as he looked, which he might not be because the situation was bad. The Arizona's not in bad shape at all with Kyler Murray. They're in great shape. No, that's you know, true. So it's sort of like that, that worked out fine. I mean, obviously, it would have been better to get a position player and, and still end up with, with Murray this year, but whatever. You know, I mean, it, it, it's not that bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Second round pick is obviously looks like a loss one year after top 10, but it's not nothing, you know I mean? Think how they treat a second round pick for other commodities. So yeah. I mean, if you can still turn a failed quarterback prospect into that, it certainly helps. Won't talk too much about the Niners, even though they added, you know, beast Bosa went from a bottom three edge situation in the NFL to possibly top five excited about that. But the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, definitely great fantasy football landing spot, but man, it's so, so odd with, you know, whatever. At least uh, your guy Barkley had metrics off the charts where Jacobs did not. And uh, yeah, good fantasy situation, weird one to spend your draft capital round one when you're the Raiders. And and I guess it's, it's possible they passed on Josh Allen because he had the same agent as Mari Cooper and, and Khalil Mack. But uh, I, I know you want to talk about the guy they ended up drafting, right? Y you, you made a, a tweet about uh, about this guy.
0: You know, it's just so weird. You tweet about all this stupid stuff. I got like. Hundreds of engagements with this stupid tweet about what's his name Fernando Tatis. I said I like him as a prospect, but I'm concerned about his extreme splits. Obviously, he did it's a split really funny. on the deal. Yeah. Okay, oh, it's clever, whatever.
1: Everyone, it's, funny, you know, it's funny.
0: Yeah, it's clever, but whatever. But the genius tweet that was virtually ignored until I had to point it out. It's embarrassing. You're like, and I'm doing it now again. And I did on the XM show, so I feel like this is embarrassing. We have to, you know, beg people to like your tweet. I don't care if they like it anymore. It's more of a commentary on their poor taste. And also the fact that I couldn't put both the link to the RotoWire, wire you know, the quote tweet and the video in the same, you know, the video right. was through a link and it's whatever. It was, people are so lazy, it's inconvenient. But the guy they drafted, which was a total shock, was Cleland Farrell. Cleland Farrell? Farrell? And the note says something like, surprise, fourth overall selection. And I linked to Colin Farrell in, uh, I don't know if you saw True Detective 2, season when he was in it and there's a scene that's one of the greatest scenes in any show of all time of him partying by himself did you see that scene
1: yeah i didn't i didn't hate season two as other people did but what no, a great neither. scene no one can argue that no one can argue that that scene's awesome fantastic yeah
0: i mean the dude is partying his ass off by himself and he's like crying he's like he's doing all this cocaine he's boozing hard he's smoking cigarettes he's doing chin-ups you know he's blasting this music it's awesome it's just like <laughs> and i said I just quote tweeted, surprise, fourth overall selection. And I said, highly impressive tape. And I linked to the Colin Farrell cocaine booze binge. Highly impressed by his tape. And uh, nobody, nobody even bothered probably to click on the link. So they probably thought that I was actually serious, that I was impressed by Cleland Farrell's tape. But I was talking about right. uh, Colin Farrell's tape. Yeah,
1: that, it's, that, it's, that one extra step, having to click the link, probably yeah. did hurt you. But I mean, it's just, you know,
0: dude, that's just way funnier than the stupid joke about uh, Tatis Jr.
1: The splits is funny, but I do appreciate that. Colin Farrell, that just reminds me. I saw this, this random movie. It's a few years old called The Lobster. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's super weird and a little out there, but it's probably the best movie I've seen since Wild Tales. It's called The Lobster. I, I, think Won't I away saw much it. of it.
0: I think I saw it. It, it sounds familiar. By the way, and what I'm trying to say is go to my Twitter go to the real man yeah. Twitter because I retweeted it and click on the link. And you'll see it's, it's epic. If you think Farrell's tape, isn't It's, it's peak Lawrence Taylor, basically. I mean, El, yeah, this is, really, yeah. this is what a defensive player should be doing in his preparation for a game. Obviously.
1: For sure. Um, do you have any other, uh, football thoughts? I, um, I actually, they made me do a mock, uh, fantasy draft over at Yahoo. to so after the, these rookies did you do any you know tinkering with your rankings or you know, tyree kill fallout obviously that's a horrible situation Ty- tyree
0: kill tyree kill is never going to play in the nfl again i mean I, I just don't I, say. I don't I i don't totally i mean i i didn't give him zero he's like the 100th ranked receiver like below where you draft him but honestly if i'm in any kind of competitive league where i could stash some rookie that might have some value down the road or something i'm gonna take him over tyree kill not only are the chiefs obviously going to get rid of him because they got rid of Kareem Hunt for for less but Tyreek Hill had a prior incident in college like a serious incident so it went like you know, Kareem Hunt I think it was his first offense this is his second time he's done something like this and the tape is awful and I just I just don't think yeah. he's going to get back in the league I just I think that as valuable as he is as a player and as uh, craven as the NFL is for doing whatever it wants to do, I just think the climate is such that they are not going to mess with this. I don't think he's coming back.
1: I 1,000% agree with you. I saw a long column, I think, on Bleacher Report, that's claiming, so sorry, this is the way the NFL works. We all know he'll be back. And I, I just – I was very surprised by the article. I mean, this is a three-year-old kid, and he's on, on audio saying that stuff. I mean, I, I, I – Complete, I removed him from my rankings and treated him as such he will never play another snap in the NFL. That's said, so I, I would thought. be very
0: surprised so. because yeah, it's a defenseless kid and he already beat his wife and his wife is scared of him and or beat the girl in college or whatever. I, I just Yeah I don't think he can get around this one. And even if like if by the terms of collective bargaining agreement the union has to represent him and without more than the audio, without any sort of visual proof and without any charges, because they did drop the charges, he's entitled to reinstatement from a suspension. I don't know if any team is gonna touch him. That's the other thing. Like I don't think any, I think the Chiefs will get rid of him and I don't think another team will sign him.
1: I I agree. That's why I, I see it too. It's just horrible, horrible situation. And it's crazy. I mean, it happened. Both the guys are the Chiefs, and that's why I even brought up like why are they signing and going out of their way to bring in Frank Clark? But uh anyway, that's a it's an awful situation. And um what speaking of the Chiefs, uh to where do you have Damian Williams? Because I, I had him like noticeably higher than the rest of my colleagues when our, our rankings came out. And I wondered if I was just too high on, on him, but I don't know. I don't really have any other one, any guys there and anyone in that, that role, let alone without Tyreek Hill there. I feel like he was like half the, PPR my tenth, tenth back. Yeah. Half PPR. half
0: PPR. I think I have him number 16 among running backs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I have him like 10th and I feel like that's whatever conservative. So I guess, I guess I'm going to be high on him. I have Gurley far lower than everyone too, but that I've just come that That didn't surprise me, but. I'm really 12th up, yeah.
0: in, in half PPR. Yeah, I yeah. have him
1: 15th. All right, so we're a little different there. Yeah, Damian Williams, so why, why not higher than 16th on the, in that well, cheese role? They signed
0: Hyde, right? They signed Carlos Hyde. Yeah, Hyde's terrible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but Hyde, I think everyone that's... has
1: a backup. Every team has a backup, well, a backup. I mean, Hyde's
0: pedigree is the starter, and, and Williams would be the backup. You know? So I don't know how that's going to shake out. I think that uncertainty is huge.
1: They extended Damian Williams in the offseason. That guy's good workout metrics. He was good when he was on the Dolphins. Gave him a chance. He can catch it. He's a three down back. I, oh man, I think he could go crazy. I, I, he could I would go him. crazy.
0: He could go crazy. But Andy Reid, you know, is always kind of split the workload for his running backs. You can never really count on how much work they're going to get. Williams is already 27. He took him a while to make a splash in the league. He got signed to an extension, but it was like wasn't much money, right? It was a few million. It wasn't like he was signed to some massive extension where. That's their entire running back investment. And they picked up Carlos Hyde, who's not like just some filler guy. He's like a guy that was you know, once a starter and considered a prospect. I mean, he's your guy. You were touting Carlos Hyde forever, man.
1: No, nah, I, I was wrong. I mean, he's, he's fine. He does too much damage. He invites contact. He's not the same player he was as a rookie anyway. Interesting. All right, 16. I can't really think of guys. Uh, but you, I, you know I'm what? Sure Car- you Carlos Hyde is getting... Okay.
0: So Carlos Hyde is getting a one-year deal for less than $3 million. He's expected to back up Damon Williams. And, but Williams only has a two-year $5.1 million extension. So they're basically getting paid the same. The team's not wedded to one more than the other, really. And I could see Hyde getting goal line carries. I could see Hyde being the Thomas Jones and Damon Williams being the Jamal Charles. And there were years where Thomas Jones was like basically just as valuable in, in fantasy.
1: Well, I, I I actually want to caution myself because you know I get too high on these Kenyan Drakes guys who don't haven't done it in the past.
0: So I, I maybe I'm
1: falling for that here just in this case. But I don't I don't see the guys exactly who I would even consider moving. I'm, I'm sure it's Joe Mixon is one and Gurley you said so those two. So then maybe it would be Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. Who, who else? Fournette. Who who else? Yeah, have? I have,
0: I I think I have. Uh, I've got Fournette at fourteen, Aaron Jones at thirteen, Fournette at fourteen, Henry at fifteen, Damon Williams at sixteen. Yeah. It's, Aaron, just a volume, yeah, Aaron Jones. it's just really a volume thing. Like I gave him 4.6 yards a carry and eight rushing touchdowns and 44, 411, two receiving touchdowns. But it's just, I just gave him 211 carries and I gave Fournette 261 and I gave Henry 256 and I gave, I just gave these guys a lot more carries.
1: Aaron Jones, you like even for more work. That's uh, that's interesting. Where did you end up with, uh, with Jacobs? Jacobs and Montgomery, the two rookies, curious.
0: Um, I haven't really adjusted Jacobs since the injury to Crowell today, or yesterday, because I think they're going to sign Doug Martin or somebody who's basically just another Crowell, just some random veteran to split carries, so I didn't really change him. But I have Jacobs at 24 and half PPR.
1: Yeah, i more aggressive. I didn't really care about Crowell. He, I just considered him, whatever, the same type of backup. Man, the first year he had Cornell Williams, Cadillac, uh, Gruden gave him like 290 carries or something in 14 games. I think he's just going to run Jacobs like, like crazy into the ground. What, what about Montgomery on the Bears?
0: I have him one spot lower at 25 because, you know, they, they signed Mike Davis. They have Tariq Cohen. It's just kind of crowded there.
1: Any uh, wide receiver thoughts? I know that's your typical position you write in the magazine.
0: Yeah, I I know the most about wide receivers at this stage of the game. Um, I have Juju Smith-Schuster in half PPR as my number four. I think in full PPR he's ahead of Devontae Adams. So that's unusual. I just couldn't really do the projections for Smith-Schuster and not have him come out super high.
1: Yeah, I know. It makes sense losing Antonio Brown there. He could go absolute... Yeah, no, that get, makes, like, I wouldn't argue that at all. He's so young. With the numbers he was putting up, yeah, I couldn't argue with that at all.
0: I mean, I'll, I tried to lower him because it looked out of whack, but I only gave him nine touchdowns. I gave Devontae Adams 11, Hopkins 10, but my number two receiver overall is Julio Jones. Julio Jones hasn't lost anything. He's just as good as he's always been. And then he started scoring touchdowns in the second half. I only gave him eight this year, but... He's definitely, you know, if he gets 100 catches, he's going to get 1,500 yards. It's just he gets 15 yards a catch.
1: Yeah, it's it's really that whole tier. You could make an argument, I mean, whatever Hopkins and Beckham now with a quarterback for the first time could. Uh, he has the highest ceiling, and Michael Thomas, what he was doing. So, it, it's loaded. It's loaded. My my next, actually, my one last question for you in football right now is, what are you doing with the tight ends? Because in this mock, I took uh, Kelsey and Kittle in round two, in the middle of round two. So, what are you putting them?
0: So Kelsey Kittle Ertz in half PPR. In full PPR, I think uh, Ertz surpasses Kittle because he catches so many passes. But in half, Kittle's a little bit ahead of him. I'd probably take Kelsey uh, somewhere in the mid second and I'd probably take Kittle third and Ertz third. So like Kelsey's second and Kittle and Ertz are around later.
1: Yeah, no Terry Kittle too in Kansas City. Kelsey, I mean that could go he could go.
0: Pretty nuts. I don't think he can get more than he got. I mean, he's going to get 140 targets. I don't. Tight ends don't get 160 targets. You know, I mean, there's just no way. I just don't think you know the demands of the position. That's the thing. It's like Doug Baldwin might be done, but Tyler Lockett got 70 targets despite having the best per play season of all time last year. What's he going to get? 80 targets now? I mean, they're just not going to 90 targets maybe, and then regress on a per play basis. I mean, they're just not going to give him 120 targets. And same thing with Watkins. It's like, okay, no Tyree Kill. Oh, so Watkins is going to hold up for 145 targets? No way.
1: Yeah, well, K- well, Kittle, just as a sophomore, set the tight end record for yardage with second and third string quarterbacks and playing yeah. the second half with torn rib cartilage.
0: Yeah, probably but, they, this
1: year, but But, I mean, that's pretty crazy but, getting Jimmy G back now. I mean, you look, you know, do the math there, and you just, it, it, it sounds, you know, t- too... You know, it never works out that way.
0: No, and they added so many receivers. You know, they're getting Goodwin back. Pettis, they're going to have as part of the offense for the full season. And they drafted two more receivers. So it's just...
1: Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work.
0: We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing
1: virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world.
0: Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. It's just just much more crowded there.
1: Defense should be better and loaded at running back too, for sure. But man, he's a he's a beast. Decent fifth round pick makes up for all the other horrible draft picks the the Niners have made. All right, what about um what about baseball? Do you have any thoughts? My uh, my main event team and Cody Allen and Malik Smith just uh, went after Eric Thames and Fab in that league and a couple others. Even dropped Aguilar in my home league and now it looks like it takes a couple games and Aguilar's raking and uh, who knows that Thames might be back to platoon role. So more frustrating things like that although I, we only I only talk about the negative with you know league of leagues we are um, we are in the top we, we fluctuate from first second or third so we are off to a decent start there and that's without Daniel Murphy and a uh, Stanton in a on base league for the first part of the year but more, more and more mostly the frustration for myself what about you Liz? Uh,
0: my main event team went from last place to eleventh I still can't buy any hitting it's it's all the pitching that did better my Todd team was waking up and then I dropped Jalen Beeks in an AL only for a guy who just gave up three. I, I can't even get into it. It's so annoying. Like, I just – it's just picking up that middle reliever and then had him give three runs like his first bad outing of the year and dropping Beeks after a bad outing. Then he has two monster outings. And then suddenly he looks like a really, really good sort of the guy after the opener who gets wins. I'm just such an idiot to drop him. But, I mean, who knew? You know, he wasn't pitching well, and he's not like he was some superstar. And then I'm back in last place in a couple other leagues. I was out of last place in all my leagues – but the main event team, the pitching has been good, but I just cannot get Jose Ramirez, Chris Bryant, Yasil Puig, Corey Seeger, Justin Turner to hit, Miguel Cabrera to hit. Those are like six of my first seven guys. I just cannot get them to hit. And I lost Vizcaino and Robertson's on the deal and whatever. I'm, I'm like hanging in there, but my hitting is like last in every category except steals. And I feel like I have the horses. Like, I have the players. Like, just fucking start hitting. But it's just not happening. Every morning I wake up, check the box scores, and it's like, Chris Bryant went 0 for 3 with a run scored. Justin Turner went 1 for 4 with nothing. You know, every single guy. And I'm not, I just, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, they're playing every day. They're in prominent spots in the lineup. Justin Turner hits third for the Dodgers. Corey Seager hits second. Miguel Cabrera hits third for a shit team, but he hits third. All my guys are, you know, Jose Ramirez hits second. Chris Bryant hits second. I mean, they're all right there where, sh- where they should be, playing just about every day. Just can't do anything. They're just not doing anything.
1: As annoying as that is, though, you'd much prefer that than a bunch of guys on the IL or long term injuries. So, I mean, it really is annoying, but that sounds like a, it could be a fun final five months, look at it like that, as soon as these all. Regrets. What about Jose Ramirez? What's he on pace to hit like 180 and steal 60 bases? Like what an odd season.
0: Yeah. I mean, at least he's running, right? He's doing something for me. I'm like first in stolen bases. I have Malik Smith who I just put on my bench. So lucky. I picked up Jared Dyson. I'm so excited. I had a player to put in for Smith on my bench, you know, midweek.
1: Yeah, I wasn't uh, clever enough to, to leave him in my utility. I should have looked at that, but I wasn't, you know, I should have been, been spacing out. I mean, but who I,
0: knew I got... that he was getting sent down, but you know, it's been <laughs> bad. Hopefully, he's just down for a couple of weeks and crushes if it and comes up. But it's funny because that's the guy I could totally afford to, to, to lose because I'm first in steals and I have Ramirez and some random guys right. are stealing bases for me a little bit. Puig is running a little. But I don't know, man. It is a... Uh, Pitching's been fine. It's been okay. I got some lucky wins the other day, but I just need these bats to heat up and there's not there's no move to make, you know, just fucking heat up. That's all I can say.
1: Do you have any thoughts on the uh, starting pitching aspect so far? And it's, uh, you know, a couple articles out there with the the ball being juiced and just homers, just whatever, going crazy, continuing at a, at a wild pace.
0: Yeah. I, I still think getting the aces is the right move. i mean I have Garrett Cole on that team and, his ERA is like four, but he's got like 60-something strikeouts already. And that's just, you get what you pay for. And that was great. And if you have Scherzer, I mean, the ERA is four-something, but still got a lot of strikeouts and good whip. Really, the, the guys that are problematic are like DeGrom, who was just amazing for two starts and had an elbow problem. It hasn't been the same. And Sale has been a real disaster. Verlander's been amazing. Trevor Bauer has been amazing. Snell was good. And ever since he's come back from the toe problem, he hasn't been good you should have done it the way I did it elite starters. Hopefully you don't get unlucky with them and then wait like crazy and, you know, gamble on pitching. Uh, The only negative for me is that that tier that I avoided in four through 10, there's a lot of good pitchers right now. Like Luis Castillo was maybe the back end of that. Zach Granke was at the top end of that. He's been doing great. There's been a few guys who are actually good in that tier and, uh, and who, and who I missed out on. So Hopefully those guys fall apart and uh, and those guys pay the price. But there, there's been some of those pitchers doing pretty well.
1: And maybe it's worked out differently for you, but man, I just I swear I told myself this last year, but I got a hammer home again. I just in those real uh, NFBC leagues, especially, you just cannot draft relief pitchers rounds ten through twenty four. I'm just staying out of that range, man. It just it's every year. It just I can't get the right ones. I'm either going to spend on it. Or, or completely not, because I, that that area, I'm just horrible yeah. trying to pin relievers.
0: So in my uh, NFBC main draft, I was you know picking the middle. I was picking the uh, the eighth pick. And my last closer in my first tier was uh, Felipe Vasquez. Missed him by one pick. I could see the closers coming around. I didn't want to take one in round, I want to say five or round. No, I didn't want to take one in round six. And then it came around... And I was like, all right, I'll take Vasquez. One of these guys hopefully falls to me, and they just went, like, four of them. And Vasquez went one pick before me, and I was like, ah, fuck. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll wait again. I took, like, Corey Seager or Justin Turner. I think probably Corey Seager in the sixth. And then went all the way back to the front, and my next guy was Kirby Yates, and someone took Yates at the turn. And it got back to me, and then I was like, all right, I'll wait longer. But I should have just, when I lost Vasquez, just took taken Yates, right, and just had him in the first yeah. tier but I wasn't sold on him because he hadn't really done it for more than, you know, a partial season. So I could have taken Yates. I ended up taking David Robertson in the 11th, Avoidus Viscaino in the 13th, and then uh, Alex Colomay in the 14th. And Colomay is the only one who's still alive. But I spent a lot of fab on Ryan Brazier, and I still have Robertson on the bench. And I picked up Sean Kelly a few weeks ago when he was pretty cheap. So I'm not, you know, I'm I'm competitive in saves, but yeah, uh, it was... It wasn't because of my draft, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, that, that range I'm definitely trying to avoid personally. Next year, are you uh, that's all I got for baseball. Do you have any, anything else? Hopefully, hopefully better news moving forward. I, I, again, it's better that they're at least healthy and playing horribly than, than not.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. No, in one, some ways. But like if you just lost all your players, you just say, look, man, I, I had a good draft. I just I had injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that can happen. I don't really have that excuse. I mean, I have some injuries like Severino missing and, you know, he should have been back around now and he's now out, you know, more months, but that was a gamble that I knew was possible. I lost Viscaino, but okay, he was a 13th round pick and Robertson's hurt, but he was 11th round pick and he also wasn't necessarily. So I haven't really had injuries. Like I've had injuries, but I haven't had bad injuries, certainly not more than my share. So I have no excuse. Like I just picked really bad players so far and that's still just May 1st, but in some ways you rather have injuries. It's worse for your team, but at least like you can be like, well, that's just how it goes rather than what the hell was I thinking?
1: Right. You can check out and, and also not be as hard on yourself too. Um, fine. Well, All right. We've got to ask you about game of Thrones episode three epic. Uh, I don't know about spoiler alerts, or whatever, but I, I just want your opinion <coughs> of game of Thrones weekly till till this closes out. So where, where do okay, we stand we'll, now list?
0: Well, I'll do a spoiler alert. Cause it's going to be hard to review this one without giving away some stuff. So, I think just forward the next five minutes if you, if you don't want to have stuff given up. I'll try to be as cryptic as possible. So if you want to power through it, I, you, I probably, you'll probably forget what I said because it's not going to be that meaningful. First off, maybe think of Bitcoin. You know, one of the arguments for Bitcoin, there's no central bank that runs it. There's no bank. There's no government that prints it. So it's very decentralized. So you can't just go like torture one guy who's the Bitcoin guy and then Bitcoin fails because the government put pressure on him. You just, there's no, it's decentralized. I would say that Game of Thrones showed you the perils of over-centralization.
1: I do. I heard you say it, and I yes, I agreed. I thought that was a great. I did not think of that. I did not put that together. But I like the. I like the analogy.
0: Talk about over-centralized, Jesus! Single point <laughs> of failure. Come on, how stupid do you have to be? Okay. The second thing is plot-wise, and I'm going to try to be as cryptic as I can. People who saw it will know what I'm talking about. It seemed to me that the zombies would have won no matter what, pretty much. So why would the boss just not let, you know, how many, okay, I'm going to backtrack here. How many action movies have you seen where, you know, there's the good guy versus the bad guy. And at some point the good guy, the bad guys through trickery or deceit or whatever, overwhelming force, grab the good guy. They have him in their clutches. They have him as a prisoner and at any moment they could just kill the good guy. And finally, when it gets to the point when, the, when they sort of wait for the boss to kill the good guy for some reason, so the boss comes in, and instead of just killing the good guy right away, or having one of his henchmen have killed him hours ago, the boss comes in, points the gun at him, makes a huge lecture, explains his life philosophy, and why he's going to dominate the earth, and why the guy's such a ridiculous fool for believing in goodness, and then he gets killed. Like, it waits just right. long enough in the middle of his dumbass speech, and you're like, dude, just kill the guy. I mean... Why make this stupid speech? You know, he doesn't... Who cares if he hears the speech? You got to rub it in his face and taunt him and gloat and all this stuff. And then by the time you're done gloating, you're dead. I think the same critique applies to Game of Thrones. Like, that was not necessary. The Nutless Monkey, the literal Nutless Monkey, who was defending somebody important in the show, he was barely holding on. He did a good job. But if clearly, like, at, at that point, he was the only one left surrounded by zombies... There's no reason even to show in that situation. If you just let nature take its course, the the job is done. Okay, the job is done. There's no reason to be there. There's no reason for him to even be there. Secondly, the whole thing was like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes, but you're like, if they just cut out like 40 minutes of the battle scenes, it would have been the exact same episode. I couldn't even see what was going on half the time. They're in different parts of the the fortress and the castle and they're fighting and they're knifing zombies and zombies are knifing them and all this stuff. A
1: lot and of complaints I mean, about the, dar- the darkness, literal, the darkness, a lot of complaints about it being too dark.
0: Couldn't see a goddamn thing half the time. And also like, who cares? It's all random. None of this stuff's essential for the plot, right? Whether they fight in this room or that room or upstairs or downstairs, or you look at how scared these people are while they're waiting or those people, not one of those things was essential to it. You could have just cut out half of it and just been like, yeah, randomly the sort of like dramatic moment at the end, it wasn't like built up to by any of like the battle scenes in the castle. It was totally like there was only one sequence where you sort of hint that that's probably going to happen or that that's the person that's going to get involved in it. But 90% of the scenes in the, in the castle were just sort of action scenes with zero meaning whatsoever. They had no meaning at all. And then fourth, all a lot of the characters that you thought were going to die because they were being sort of beleaguered and they were getting worn out and they were tired. Yeah. You know, then it was like, oh, wait, they're alive or they're dead. You just don't really. It was kind of random. Any one of them could have dropped dead or just been fine. Turned out most of them are fine. A, a,
1: a lot of saved at the very last seconds. A lot of those. A lot, a lot yeah. of saved. Save right. All
0: of them. Everybody was pretty much saved at the last second. And so just the whole thing was just like, what the fuck was the point? I mean, it could have been like a 40-minute episode. There's just so many things like that. It just made no sense. So I'm going to give it like a C. The other ones I give like a, a D. Episode one, I give a C, C plus episode two, I give an F and this one I give like a a C, C plus.
1: I mean, I, I'm normally not a big war movie guy, but man, that was pretty, the score was pretty sick. Like I was pretty into it. Like the, the beat before, like the intensity before it was entertaining. And I really thought the music was legit.
0: Music was good. I have to say they were very tasteful. I didn't do that orchestral Hans Zimmer bullshit. You know, that you see in those movies, it was like, kind of low key. And I liked the music. It was good. It was like somber, which I liked. So I thought that was good. And I thought, you know, the, the moment was pretty dramatic. It was pretty cool.
1: And they did set up now. I mean, they took care, you know, they, they set up the final three episodes here. They, you know, they didn't drag, drag that on. I liked that.
0: Yeah, that was fine. It's just, it was really incredibly simple. Like the, the what happened, it was really just so much irrelevant stuff just to kind of get you distracted And then there's only really one scene that really mattered at all. All the other stuff was just sort of like, here's the mechanics of the battle. Well, they're going to try this and they're going to try that. And then they're going to do this and they're going to overcome that. And they're going to, all that stuff didn't mean anything. It really didn't, it didn't have anything to do with anything.
1: All right. Do you disagree uh, with
0: that? Do do, you agree that any of that stuff is necessary? I do.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I agree. It, it was not. And uh, I, I'm kind of with you. I did, I'm not going crazy over it.
0: It's not tight. It's not tight. Like, it, it used to be in the, in the first six seasons, like, you felt like the stuff that happened was, was tight. It's just not tight. It's just like, okay, let's just make a really awesome, super intense, realistic-looking battle. And it'll be really cool to see all the guys doing their thing. Yeah. But there's no rhyme or reason to it. It made no, it didn't advance anything at all.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah. And it was difficult to follow along too, especially the dragon flying scenes too. But
0: yeah, what the hell I but, was uh, like, is this, is this the ice dragon or the other dragon? I can't tell.
1: Yeah. yeah it was impossible. And what's the deal
0: with it. the ice dragon? If he breathes on you, are you dead? Cause you know, the fire dragons just killed people with their breath. What was that ice breath? Did that kill you right away? I mean, it, it blew away the wall at one point, but I don't know, man.
1: <laughs> All right, what um, what else, Liz? I um, oh uh, I oh I was at the um, I wrote this down. I caught I, I that you uh your your force your bet. I uh I saw I was at that Giants game. I won you a big important force the bet, my Giants. I think uh Erickson took uh what Maeda was that the yeah I think that, that was, nutless uh, monkey
0: took Maeda. I know that was embarrassing yeah. for him.
1: Yeah we um went to a, I went to that Warrior game the day before and we just happened to have this game tickets to this for the last couple of weeks. But I hit up another sf place that was uh man we wanted to not go too big because i told you about that angler that last time um but we tried this place called state bird provisions and it's i was told it's kind of like dim sung and it's like that in the sense that they they bring carts around constantly um but not going big turned into how in the world can we pass up this one the next one you know they're just so quick and they just look so good right there and it turned into i counted at the end had 20 courses at this place ended up not even getting into that giants game until the fourth inning but uh that place was pretty, uh, pretty legit. So, uh, I, again, I need to, I need to fire up some sort of account to where I post my, my food pics, but, um,
0: what, uh, that's all yeah, well, I, I, first I of all, have, why don't you uh, send me, why don't you send me some of the pics of that stuff so I can put the photo in the, in the podcast? Because oh, nice. I was actually oh, yeah, going to post the, the antelope tartare last week, which is what I named the episode. And yes, I was like, I like ah, He's got to post it. I
1: should have, I should have um, i saw that you wrote that I, I, will, I will send you that i'll send you some from this too um oh one other thing i was gonna see um i think i'm getting dragged into uh speaking of me not liking long war movies uh not a war movie but i think i'm gonna go see avengers man I, and it's over three hours i don't watch any of these comic book movies but uh my wife a couple some friends uh, it's an event it's the last one or whatever it's actually got like a 97 on rotten tomatoes although i remain skeptical but um uh, Avengers Endgame. Have you have you seen any of this propaganda over where you live?
0: I've heard stuff about Infinity War and Endgame. I I like some movies. Like most of the movies, I don't like. Somebody I just I used to follow some loser economist, such an idiot on uh, Twitter, and he recommended Guardians of the Galaxy. And I've told the story before. Yes. yes and that's yes. one of the Marvel comic series, right? And I took Heather Yeah. Did, and she so. took me to a good movie, and that movie sucked. It was so embarrassing. So I've ever since that I've been like. These movies are for like sixteen year old boys. They're not for me. So I've sort of stayed away. It seems like so stupid. And I love like the Lord of the Rings. Love the Lord of the Rings. It's to me that was like the first six seasons of Game of Thrones were like Lord of the Rings level. This season's a joke. But I love the Lord of the Rings and I could love I could, I could love a comic book movie. I actually liked one of the X Men movies or a couple of the X Men movies. The one with Kevin Bacon where I don't know, where they I put really nickel the nickel through the guy's head. Like
1: that I've seen very few. I don't. I doubt anyway, I've seen it. I, I like I've that really
0: movie. I liked a couple of them, but some of them are just so stupid and cheesy and like embarrassing. Like they're not for adults. So I don't know. You tell me how it is. Maybe I'll see it.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a full full review next week of Avengers Endgame. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. All right, man. Good, good times Les. That's it. That's all, that's all. I. That's all I got. Do you have any? What do you got? Some politics stuff uh what what about my boy pete boot edge edge what are your thoughts I, i'm on, out on him i'm
0: out him. i'm out on him
1: you're out why I, I, uh, he got just some
0: strikes me to... as like you know basically another obama this guy who says all the right stuff corporate friendly i i don't i don't like that guy i don't trust him anymore
1: then, i just then I, then lost, who,
0: I lost who, the enthusiasm
1: who do you like is there anyone at all
0: Oh, i like tulsi gabbard i like uh <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if I like her because I don't really know that much about her except that she's totally anti-war. I mean, I think the biggest things are, you know, don't stop giving money to the rich. I mean, let's have capitalism, not socialism for the rich. Otherwise, you're going to get socialism for everyone and you're going to get inflation. We're going to have a disaster. So I I don't, I'm not really, I think there should be a social safety net, but not socialism. I think we should be capitalist, but we have socialism for the rich rich right now and it's kind of sneaky. We've talked about this before, quantitative easing, is basically a form of money transfer upwards. And I think people need to deal with that, stop that. And it's going to be very hard because whichever president stops the, the Fed from lowering rates and they're not even really supposed to uh, is going to get, the, it's going to be a real painful adjustment period. So I don't know who's going to ever do that. And of course, foreign policy. I just don't want to be spending my tax money on military stuff and, and all these wars and killing all these people. And she's the only one that really is really, really good on that. I think Bernie would be less bellicose, but she's the one that that's like her thing. So if I had to pick, now nah, I'd pick her. But I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot of faith in the process, and I don't really think that she has a great chance. And I don't really think that. Uh, I don't really think that most of the people running to be in charge of the free world are people that should be in charge of the free world. And I think that you know we need to have a more decentralized model. And we talked about this, with the Lord of the Rings. It was all about uh, destroying the ring, and they it was they had to have the Hobbit destroy the ring because the Hobbit was the only one who was humble enough and not greedy for power. this Gandalf said, if the wizard said if if I tried to do it i i 'd get too tempted because i 'm already very powerful, and this could really make me incredibly powerful and it would be you know too too much uh, of a risk and I think that you know things like Bitcoin, which is decentralized money, take the money out of the the, the printing presses out of the state 's hands. I think that would be a huge, huge development, and I think it's going to happen. I don't know when, but over time, and hopefully, uh, things change sort of from the bottom up. I don't have a whole lot of faith in uh, sort of the the, the presidential politics. I, I guess I would say.
1: All right. I mean that that's fine, but uh, Tulsi Gabbard's not going to win. So, who, what do you think is going to happen? What, what? Yeah.
0: I mean, we don't know who's not going to win because Trump, right? I mean, at this time in the last cycle, it'd have been. I would have been. What if I were like. Well, oh, I really like Trump. I think he has some good ideas. You'd be like, okay, Trump's not going to win. Be realistic, right. right? Wouldn't you have said that?
1: Yeah, you, no, of course. Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, uh, somebody's a couple of people have said this. I can't remember who, maybe Scott Adams, maybe someone else. They said, like, never again is, are people run, running for president going to be picked by the parties. Like, never again are you going to have, like, John Kerry or Mitt Romney running for president or, you know, even Hillary Clinton. Like, that's over. It's going to all be Donald Trump's from now on. It's all going to be somebody who can get on Twitter and rile up people. It's never going to be like the party's choice. That was what they said. And I, I hope that's true. Actually, even though there's downside to that, I feel like the the just guaranteed downside of having the the banks and the military industrial complex preemptively veto any candidate that the people would want. I, I think that's worse. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, Pete, I like Mayor I would I, Bernie's fine. I, I don't think you know, taxing people is really the, the solution. I, I wouldn't mind mildly higher taxes if it was going to something I thought was worthwhile. I just don't really believe in the government being able to distribute money in any way that's sensible or fair or, you know, for the good. I think that, the, you know, whoever gets control of money distribute is probably going to do a really bad job. So I, I like Bernie's integrity and I'd still vote for him over pretty much anyone else that was there. But, but I'm not like super psyched if Bernie wins, I'd be like, lesser of all evils
1: yeah it seems like biden and bernie are kind of this biden has no candidate. chance
0: don't even don't kid yourself biden has no chance
1: yeah you say that but um, he has no chance he, has, he okay, has no chance no chance, <laughs> no chance.
0: all right the okay. only reason he's polling right. well is because he's obama's vice president and obama is still popular among the democratic base that's the only reason all
1: right i still think mayor pete has a chance so i think he has a chance uh,
0: no i totally think he has a chance i wasn't saying he's he has no chance I was saying, I just don't trust him. I just think he's—he's okay. he's that like, you know, shiny face who's like saying all the right things and real talk, but it's not really—it's very vague. And he's gonna—he—he—he's the—he's the cleverest of them. Like Obama was the cleverest. He's—he's he's gonna be able to walk the line where where normal people who are fed up will start to relate to him, and yet the corporate backers will see that he still kind of has their back. I think that was like the brilliance of Obama. And I think Buttigieg right. or Booty, whatever his name is, um, is the closest thing to that. He has that ability. That, that's what like a good banker does. That's what a good suit does, right? They can talk to clients in a way that makes them feel reassured while he's ripping them off. So that's my right. vibe from him now. I thought, I thought he was all right, but I'm just getting a very uh, Obama-ish vibe. And uh, we, we already did that. I'm, I don't want another, another version of that
1: sure yeah,
0: that makes sense
1: um all right well we shall see uh do you have anything else
0: no that's it i probably have like 50 other things but i, I forgot a lot of thoughts on my mind this week but let it go we can leave begin. the
1: people leave the people wanting more i love it yeah, L- we'll save some for
0: we'll save some for future weeks
1: all right sounds good man
0: all right man take it easy
1: all right later let's